what it is what's up i am your host christina royster and welcome to one of the final episodes of young black and Dependinated. it's been an amazing six years of audio storytelling y'all but i'm excited for my next chapter in which i hope to still educate empower and celebrate the black community through other mediums so to wrap things up i spoke with a fellow creative who has inspired me from the moment i met her Shabal Messiah is the founder of A Phoenix from the Bronx Creative Group, whose self-proclaimed superpowers are connecting and storytelling. To know her is to love her. So let's get into this episode. Thanks again, Siobhan, for coming on the YVO podcast. And can you just start by telling the folks a little bit about yourself and specifically your brand that you recently launched here? One, over one year old now. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. Wow. I forgot too. <laughs> <laughs> um, a Phoenix from the Bronx Creative Group. Can you tell us a little bit about how that got started? Sure. Um, like you said, my name is Siobhan. I am a New York native, born and bred, bred in the Bronx. Um, yes. I am first generation West Indian. My family came from Antigua. So I am definitely the oldest girl, first child. I, We all know what that goal looks like and, and what that is. So I've always just kind of been like heads down, really working hard. And I have worked in marketing and events for mostly all of my life. Um, My last full-time job was working at Twitter, um, where I was a producer for our special events programming under our brand engagement and experiences team. And obviously, if you looked at any type of media outlet last year around November, you saw what happened at Twitter. And I had kind of been over events already. So I was trying to figure out what the next step was and I figure out what my superpower was. And I've always been really Mm -hmm. good, like telling stories and, um, and supporting people. I've always said support is my superpower, but also storytelling. And I wanted to figure out a way to like merge those two and make a career out of it. Um, I never wanted to be an entrepreneur at all. Like never. The West Indian me, and I say that, <laughs> but also there's a lot of West Indian who are like already had the entrepreneurial mindset from back home. My family is not one of those. My family are mm-hmm. all nurses. They we have one person who was in marketing, and that's the only reason that my wow. family was like okay, Siobhan can do that too because I was pre med actually when I went to oh, college. Okay, <laughs> so and I was like, Mm-mm, y'all, this is not gonna work. They want me to cut yeah. things that was alive at one point. I can't do that. So, um. It was never in my intention to work for myself, but I remember going last year a little bit after we got laid off, the big layoffs happened and we went to Afrotech and people were getting laid off while they were recruit working the recruiting booth. Wow. Companies. Wow. And they do I, not care. We're just a number. Yeah. And I was like, and I was just like, oh, it's not just Twitter. It's all of like the recession is really coming in. Like the. Mm-hmm. The, the residuals from COVID is hitting now. So right. I came, I called my best friend who is a accounting consultant, especially for a business cons- accounting and she's a CPA. And I was like, I think I need to set up an LLC because I think I'm going to have to consult for a bit. Mm-hmm. She was like, okay. And I didn't want to just like put my name in consulting. I want, I, I've never just been a one a one person, like a one subject person. Like I like to yeah. jump on projects. So I didn't want to keep it as like ex- ex- experiential. Didn't want to just do brand marketing. I wanted anything that was storytelling to encompass, to be able to work with them. Yeah. So I created a Phoenix from the Bronx creative group. Um, Phoenixes are my favorite, like mythological animal. 
Uh, they always rise from the ashes, which has yes. been my story. And obviously, I am a proud Bronx native. Um, and I use creative group because I actually don't think of myself as a creative, which is actually funny. I Shocking. Never, <laughs> I've never thought of myself as a creative. Wow. And everyone has literally had a reaction like yours or laughed directly in my face and told me I'm ridiculous. So I kind of wanted to lean into the fact that um, of my creative side, even if it's like structured in writing or the way an event comes up, like not your typical, like what people consider a typical creative, like art and all this stuff. Yeah. And I, I don't know why I went group, but we're here. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's so many things I can, I can pull from what you just shared with us. Thank you so much for sharing that. And to answer your last question, I think it's a group because you see the vision, you see where it's going. Just checked out your LinkedIn recently. I see that your team is growing. So you started as somebody who didn't even want to be an entrepreneur to now you have the ability to hire people. What? That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what resonated most with with me. Um, you know, when I first met you, you were a panelist or you were like, I don't even know how I'm on this panel right now. <laughs> and I'm you were like, a panelist sure? at an indie creator um, society event and the first thing you said was I didn't think that I was going to be an entrepreneur never wanted to be but life happens and you saw it's either sing or swim right now and I have to bet on myself and I love that you use the word superpower because I think we all have these hidden talents and gifts that sometimes it's just so natural to us we don't even think about like for me it's art you know I can I can doodle anything from a reference and some people like you said it's marketing you might not think that's creative but it's pretty darn creative to me you're bringing stories to life and so I love Love how you use the word superpower because I think that it really just all goes back to confidence. When I when I first met you, you just exuded confidence, and maybe behind closed doors, you didn't always have that I confidence. Was say, that is that's <laughs> my biggest catfish ever. Everybody <laughs> says that to me, and I think it's so funny because I think I have the biggest case of imposter syndrome, like known to man. I've I've had people come up there like, we just really appreciate how confident you are and it's inspiring your work, and I'm like. I mean, I'm going to get fired every day from my own company. Like, <laughs> I'm going to fire me, like, at this point. So it's nice to hear, but I also, I never want anybody to think that, like, I just walk in thinking that I'm going to command a room or I'm going to get this job or I'm killing mm -hmm. it. I doubt myself all day, every day, but I push through. Yeah. So that was kind of one of my first questions for you. Like if you've ever had a moment where you had to face your fears, maybe it was just reaching out to your friend and saying time to get an LLC. But was there ever another <laughs> moment where you were just like, I'm going to have to face my fears and it ended up actually helping you grow? Yeah. I mean, I think my whole career for the most part, every, every time I've gotten a new job, I've always wondered if I can actually do it. Mm. Like it's just, but I think honestly, the biggest, the biz, biggest like fear when it came to like work and just like my professional and development was moving from New York to California for work. Um, mm -hmm. My job at Twitter, I was there for about four years. The first two were in the Bay. I had oh, some wow. to Oakland for the specific role I was at. Um, it was That's a shock, culture shock. <laughs> And I did not realize how much of, I, again, I've only lived in New York. I left for college in Philly, which was still very East Coast. I'm an East Coast girl through and through. And going to Oakland, 
I thought I was like, all right, well, it's just going to be West Coast. It's going to be a bunch of Black people. We're going to, it's like tech mecca. It's going to be so creative. <laughs> We're going to do all these things. People really went to work and went home. Wow. They, they didn't even have like happy hours. Like they were really? hardly. The tech bros. Yeah. And everybody was so like transplant and they were making so much money. Nobody ever stayed on the weekends. Mm. Weekends were still there. Like I remember I was wondering why everybody was making deep into six figures and everybody had a roommate. And I was like, what are y'all doing? Like live by yourselves, grow up. And then I realized nobody stays in the Bay on the weekend. So literally you only need a place to sleep. So was that really scary? Like being away from family, friends? It was, it was terrible because I never wanted to leave. I'm very close with my family and friends. Like I cried as soon as I had my phone interview, oh, <laughs> I was like, why are you crying? Because I didn't. I went in a phone interview not, not knowing I had to move. Wow. At the end, she was like, it seems like you don't know that this role is based in San Francisco, though. Ooh. Are you okay with that? And I was like, no, that's fine. I don't have kids. I'm not married. Um, I don't need to stay in New York, so I'm definitely open to moving. And I, she was like, it's not an open thing. Like, it's a must. Have, must do. <laughs> so I was like, no. I was like, you know. Obviously, I was like, I would love to stay in New York if it was a possibility, but I'm really wanting to advance my career and I want to go where that needs to happen. And the way I lied to that woman, because as soon as I hung up the phone, I started sobbing. And my, <laughs> my best friend was like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I know I'm going to get this job and I'm going to have to move to California. And that sounds so like me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> The Capricorn is jumping out because I definitely like before I even get to the second round interview, I'd be crying like it's mine. (laughs) Like it was just bad. And I finally got to the third round and they flew me out to California. And I had to tell my family at that point, wow, there's a possibility I was going to move. And my family didn't want me to move to Harlem. Like when I moved to Harlem, they were mad at me. They were like, why would you want to leave? And I was like, for opportunity, like you said, I I think that a lot of people, they're too scared to leave their own block. And so they miss those opportunities. Well, my family was actually super supportive of me going to California. They were mad That's at me good. for to Harlem. And I remember crying to my grandma. My family thought I was pregnant, actually. <laughs> I was sobbing so hard. They thought Why do you always jump to that. They thought I was pregnant because I would be because I would be the one sobbing <laughs> at the fact of being pregnant at 20 something, at 30s, early 30s. And I remember telling them, I was like, I got this. I didn't think they even knew what Twitter was. And mm. they have stock in Twitter. Oh my gosh. Can we talk about that? Like, how do you explain what you do to your family? I don't. <laughs> that is the hard part. <laughs> I don't. I tell them I, where I work for. That's big enough for them to understand. My daughter, my daughter, my granddaughter, my niece works for Twitter. And I tell them that I do events. Like, I just, I don't even do events anymore, but I still tell them I do events. My mom, when my mom thought I did full, what my mom knows I do marketing. She'll send me anything that even has the word market in it. Like, <laughs> you can work at a supermarket. My mother's going to send it to me. So oh, like, wow. I just, but my family was super supportive. My grandmother was like, I'm not upset you for going to California. This is actually why I came to America. That yeah. took me, but it was, it was super important, but I was scared every single day until I came back. Wow. Like, the whole I, journey, the whole tenure? The whole two years. I was, wow. I, it just felt like, it felt like the time I finally did get comfortable where I was going to try to like build a life COVID hit. Mm. One of my biggest fears was that I wasn't even before I left because the last time I went to San Francisco, my grandfather who helped raise me actually passed away. So I found out when I was on a work trip and I was just like, that's my biggest fear. And I couldn't get home quickly. Mm -hmm. I had to wait a day and a half before I can actually get put on a flight. 
Oh, wow. Like, damn, if something happens when I live in California, I don't know how quick I can get home. And then COVID hit. Oh, my goodness. And then my whole family got COVID at the beginning of it at the same time. From my youngest brother down to my grandmother. Oh, my gosh. And I was so you couldn't even see them. You couldn't be around them. Yeah. I was trying to go home to see if I could help, like, do anything. And my grandmother and my aunt got long COVID. But Mm. it was like, why would you come here when we're all sick? I have asthma. She was like, stay in California. So that was just the biggest part. And it really, it made me realize, like, the money isn't the most important thing for everything. Like, I'm so thankful for the experience. And I'm so thankful. I never thought that I could actually even move away. Like, I just never thought I would leave New York. So knowing that even though I can do it scared, I'm very proud of myself for taking that leap, but I'm also proud of myself for like knowing this isn't working for me. Mm-hmm. I need to come back home. I like, love not that. Just you definitely have to know yourself and be honest with yourself. I I think sometimes I've told myself like, yeah, I can commute three days a week. No problem. And then you get in it and you're like, oh, I, I didn't know it was going to be like this. <laughs> or yeah, even, I lied to myself. Even you sitting here talking about Twitter, I'm not going to lie. That used to be one of my dream jobs, you know, but I learned everything that glitters is in gold. I see, like you say, I look around the room. I see this person getting laid off from this company and this person getting laid off from that company. So sometimes you never know what's going on inside those organizations. And you really have to do what's best for you and not what people are telling you to do or what's trendy right now, you know, cause everybody would have loved to work there, but now you get to work for yourself and make your own rules. Uh, good and bad. I mean, Twitter was a great place to work at while we were working there. I yeah. was, Twitter 1.0 as they, we call it. It was amazing place. I think we did a bunch of stuff, but shout out to blackbirds. Shout, shout out to blackbirds. Um, I don't, I don't think any company is perfect. Even your yeah. own, like, no matter what happens, no company is perfect. And it's just like how people talk about finding a partner. You just have, nobody's perfect. You have to just find what aligns with you for the best. What you can't deal with. So, yeah, uh, I think that's what it was. And yeah, these companies are a mess, but so is my company. at this point. <laughs> And I love that, Siobhan, that you are so authentic and you keep it real call it the Bronx and you call it the West Indian, whatever side of it. But I love that you do keep it real and you are yourself. I remember when you were on that panel, you were like, I didn't even know I needed a lawyer, but I, I'm going to call my lawyer friend and we're going to make it happen. Like I, just learning as you go and being honest about that. Cause I think sometimes people in your position, like you said, try to act like they have it all figured out, but none of us have it figured out. I learned not even the VPs or the CEO has it figured out. We all fake it till we make it. And so how do you navigate that balance between like keeping it real, being yourself, but also you're dealing with clients. They have their own brands and you have to kind of work around what their guidelines are. Like, how do you merge the two? So I think that there is a balance. Somebody told me a very long, they were talking about makeup, but somebody told me a very long time ago, you don't go to the supermarket the same way you go to a wedding. It's still you, but you present yourself differently. True. Still authentic to who you are, but you are adapting the parts of yourself that are still authentic to your surroundings. So when I go to work, yes, I'm still very much like, does this make sense to you? I can't hide my faces. (laughs) It's what it is. I set expectations and I ask about the expectations that the company brands, whoever I'm working with also has what they want to set. And 
that's even before I take them on as a client or whatever, because if our expectations clash, then we're not going to produce good work together at all. So I think what you said before, going, being honest with yourself, knowing who you are and knowing what you can and cannot take. Like I love events. I love, I do not want to do another event again in my life. Like, <laughs> I, another event ma- I never want to be an event manager again. And I can do- I just stop you there? Because I feel like once you start working in the industry, people see you as the events girl. Like, how do you break away from that? How do you let people know? Lo- no, I do this too. I tell them no. I tell or, them. I don't want to do this anymore. I, yeah. I've literally said, thank you so much. That's not where I'm at anymore. Um, this is what I'm doing. But if you're looking for somebody, I have people who I recommend. Right. So, so I pass the opportunities over to other people. But um, yeah, I just, I'm very clear. Like, I'm. it's not about hurting their feelings. It's about being clear about who you are and what you do. Because if you're not saying it clearly, they're not going to hear you clearly. Yeah. So, um, when Maybe it, I should make it more clear. Because I, I used to work in social media like two years ago and people still send me social jobs. And I'm like, I don't want that. Yeah. Like, what's not clicking? <laughs> and, and, you know, some I try to realize that people are trying to help. Yeah. And, you know, it, it does get frustrating when they're sending me things at our events. But I just reiterate it. And it's like, hey... And then sometimes I open it up. I may not, maybe I don't want to go, not, maybe I don't want to not leave events, you know? But for yeah. the part, um, I just redirect. I say, hey, thanks so much. Remember, I'm not doing events like that anymore, or I'm not doing events anymore. However, if you are looking for somebody for this job, I actually know a few people I can link Put you with. Put people that. on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I try my best to still show up as who I am. A very, I let people know I'm extremely blunt. I'm not disrespectful, but I'm not going to sugarcoat this because Mm -hmm. this is a contract and I'm getting billed for my time. And I'm sure that you don't want me to bill you extra because I had to drag something out to make Mm -hmm. it. Um, And if it works, it works. And most, most times it works because I think a lot of times people are, we've lost the balance of being too nice, but then also being too, too direct. Like there's no, people don't have the balance of being. That's so true. I just recently posted on TikTok, like being nice goes a long way. I'm not saying that you have to kiss my ass, but you have to at least be nice in the workplace or, or be a likable person because it makes people want to work with you. Kind. That's the word. That's the word. Nice sometimes is like the bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) It's fundamentally like, it's a good thing. Like I can be kind and people, I think people have lost the art of being kind. And also they don't know how to like talk professionally anymore. So like I've mm-hmm. heard of, I've been on calls and I'm like, are you talking to like a VP like that? Or are you talking to a coworker like that when you don't need to? Um so I I think that those are the things that I look for, knowing who I am and being very clear about who I am and then making sure I intentionally step into rooms and contracts. I'm not even going to say like I haven't taken a contract just for the money since I've been working here. Of course I have. Like we pay Sometimes attention. you have to. <laughs> you have to pay attention to your livelihood. But just because it's not a perfect match, I don't take anything that I know is going to be like, this is going to be a mental drain and I am mm-hmm. going to resent myself for taking this. I've done that yeah. at the end of this year and I was like, never again. Like I didn't realize how bad I was going to be upset. It wasn't like I went in knowing I was going to be pissed. I mm. went 
this is this was I had hesitations. This is the solidifier to know that I will never do this again. Yeah, that's so important to know. And I think that just comes with time. Like you said, at the beginning, you're eager, like, I'll I'll take anybody who'll take me at first. And then mm-hmm. you kind of learn, you know, what kind of work you want to do, who you want to work with. And also you give yourself time. I think that's the most important thing that I've come to learn. In our first conversation, I was like, I'm 28. Why am I not there by now? You're like, girl, wait till 30. <laughs> I was about to say, I am going to be 39 in two and a half weeks. Ah, yeah. I'm just like. If you think you're ever going to have it figured out, please just don't pregame stress. You're going to stress <laughs> out yourself out for no reason. It's You figure it out as life goes along. Yeah. And so any advice now that you are in your 30s and just looking back at your career, just the story you just told, you know, like how far you've come from, from not even wanting to leave your home state to starting your own business now, you know, what's some of the lessons you've taken from the time? So I think the first thing I've learned, and I wish I would have done sooner, is even if you are not planning on doing it full time, I wish I would have been consulting earlier. Mm-hmm. Like I wish I, I am someone who's always wanted multiple jobs and things like that. And I've worked in retail sometimes with my like corporate job. And now that I'm consulting, I it's a safety net. For a few things. One, I can always pick up an extra project if I'm working, if I decide to go back to work full time. But two, I've always was really, really scared about being laid off. Like mm-hmm. it was the I've been laid off before Twitter, and it was it was like catastrophic in my It eyes. sucks. It's like oh, gr- oh. you're like grieving a loss. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously with the Twitter one, I was already just seeing where everything was going. So I wasn't upset. I had a good severance. But now that it's been a year and I can, I've worked for myself, which was never the plan. And I can survive and still kind of like have very close to the same like livelihood that I had before. It, it lets me know that I have that safety net. So I'm never too attached to a job now. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go back to attached to a job because I know I can do it on my own. I just may not want to, like I, yeah. I do plan eventually to go back to, um to full time. Like this is, I just want to do it for like another year or so and see mm-hmm. what happens. But also I'm, I don't have a time I'm letting, I'm rolling with the punches, which is never my usual MO Me neither. Um, at all. Um, in addition, I think that like I, at the beginning of my career, like we talked about, I was nice. I put a lot of people's feelings. I put loyalty into a company. The tech may not have been as loyal to me. I think taking risks, but also making sure your feelings and what benefits you is the priority. Yeah. Um, I learned that. My therapist yells at me all the time. Like she, like I have it on my wall. How does this, how do I benefit from this? And when you first get a job, obviously you're so hype. You're like, oh my God, you need to check in every once in a while and be like, am I still benefiting from this job? Is it making me enough money? Am I growing any place? Is my mental health being compromised? Yeah. In position? So I, I know it's scary, especially when, when work is uncertain, especially like right now. Um, and I'm not telling, I will never tell anybody just quit their job. Just uh, <laughs> do what you need to do for you, but also just, give yourself check-ins. Don't, yeah. don't go loyal because 
people will stay at a job because a friend works there. They really like their boss, but they don't like the full company. That boss is going to leave you. And then what happens when they do? Right. So I think it's, it's those things to be, take the risk, make sure, start an LLC if you can to consult for yourself, like really, so that way you always have something on the back burner. So you never feel too, you never feel scared about losing a job because it really helps with the way you work. Mm-hmm. And then also making sure you're not too loyal to a company, but more so loyal to yourself. That's great advice that I am learning right now at 28. So thank you for sharing that. Because... You can say this 28 and it kills me because I remember being 28 is when I actually really started my career. I was right. Like, I'm at that middle place where I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm not just. No, when I say like really, so that was like my first job that was in marketing and events. Like yeah. my first full job in marketing events was 28, 2013. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so far behind. And I, even now, I'm, you get, I, People tell me I'm not, but I'm like, I have people who are my age, we've graduated together, that are C-suite at companies. I have friends who are younger than me that are VPs at companies. And one, it could be discouraging, but I'm just like, my path is my own. Yes. And I ha- at least I have this network that can help and support me. And I know that they will like guide me in the right way if I ever need any help. So absolutely, I, I, I think we should stop. I know the age thing is very daunting. But once you get to like 32, you'll say the age. I joke around saying age. Everybody knows my age. I don't even hide it. But like, I think we put pressure on ourselves when we get into the 30s. And then when we get to the 30s, we like. This is the hype. This was all about. Why are we stressed? Like, yeah. I was very excited for 30. I'm actually excited for my 40s. I think it's just going to get better. Right. Um, and now I'm hopefully I'll have, well, I will. I'll have more money and it'll be better. Yes. I I definitely can resonate with, you know, always looking ahead, always worrying about the next step. So I am trying to practice more mindfulness and really be in the moment because I'm living what I dreamed of and prayed for before. And mm-hmm. like you said earlier, when, when your own grandmother said, this is what I came to this country for. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think about my grandmother, rest her soul, who's probably looking down on me like, amazed at what I'm doing right now. So I might be hard on myself and compare myself to other people, but comparison is the thief of joy. I need to stop doing that. Listen, that was one of my favorite first quotes. It's you compare yourself and it's just like, you don't know what those people are going through personally. You don't know what they're going through and their goals aren't your goals. Like it sounds great, like to be C-suite. And I was like, I actually don't want to be C-suite. Like what, (laughs) what am I talking about? And I'm like, I don't, now that I work in brands, maybe I'll be a chief brand officer eventually. But my goal is literally just to make money and be happy with my family and friends and really just get the best out of life and hopefully not hate my job while I'm doing it. Yeah. Chief brand officer comes out of that one day, maybe. And but- I think that's so important, like you said, to actually like what you do. I used to think that it was impossible to actually have a job that you like, but I see people every day who are being fulfilled by their job. So I'm like, you know what? It is possible. And I definitely think that you are one of those people who now you're doing your own thing. And like you said, as long as my bills are paid and I'm happy and I'm not stressed out at 7 PM on a Friday night, then Mm -hmm. I think that I'm winning. (laughs) Yeah. Those are my like parameters. I'm like, let me say right now, the weekend is mine. Yes. When, if it's an event or some project launch, obviously the weekends before I will, but please do not the length of the project. Don't call me on a Saturday. (laughs) I need that time back. A hundred percent. 
Yeah, self-care is so important. And I think that, um, you know, just sharing your story right now is helping me realize that we all have our unique ways of doing business and not one size fits all. You know, some people might like to wake up at 5 a.m. and and work on weekends and other people do not. But no matter what you're doing, we're still making steps. We're still making progress. So even if it's little steps and I'm definitely in the baby steps right now. But somebody (laughs) used to tell me progress was a slow process. so I always think about that, but I used to say, even with baby steps, you're still moving forward. So mm-hmm. all the cliche sayings, but just know that if you are trying, if you are willing and you are trying, then you are doing something. It's not always going to be perfect. Like sometimes life is going to come at you fast and you could be up one day with making so much money and then something That's happens. so true. And then you, you're kind of like, okay, well, I was good. Where did I go wrong? What did I do? And it, ne- it doesn't necessarily mean to mean you did anything wrong. Just don't let those like moments be the determinants. Like you have bad moments. You don't have a bad life. So yes. don't let Preach. those the determining <laughs> determining factor. Cause that's how you have a bad life. If you, every moment you only see the negative or focus on that. So Yes. I'm I'm over here on YBO. I've been saying speak life. You know that scripture. So we definitely speak in life in 2024 and not negativity. And I love what you also said about just relying on what you know. If all else fails, if your job ditches you tomorrow, at least you have your talents that you can lean on and making sure that you're leveraging those, making sure that you're prepared. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready with the LLC and everything else, like you said. I have so, to get ready sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not always staying ready, but I try my best. I work well under pressure, I say. So that's how I, you know, get over my procrastination. (laughs) But looking ahead in 2024, what's next for you? What are you looking forward to? Oh, actually, which is funny because right now I'm about to finish my contract and I have no idea what my next contract is. Like I'm in the wind, but I'm really excited on growing the brand marketing side. Um, Brand marketing has always been something I've done with the events, but solely brand marketing I haven't really done. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to kind of just like dive into that, whether it be like through um, my projects and the actual consulting company, um, or if it's going back, back full time, whatever. I don't, I'm going into 2024 consistent and disciplined, hopefully. Yes. And trying to focus on being happy and just, making sure that those three balance and with those centered, making sure that when opportunities arise or the things that I do, they're centered around those things and also making sure that they benefit me. So right now I don't have a plan except for just do my best and come out of 2024 alive and thriving. Yes, that is the best way to go. Like you said, things change and we don't know what may be in store for us, but at least if you are right in your mind and your body and your spirit, then all is well at home, then you can take yourself out and share that with the world. So I think that's the best place to start. And I just love how you said, like, I might not do this forever. I I could pick up a new job if I want to, or, Mm -hmm. you know, start another LLC for all we know. So I think it's great that you are going with the waves and and the seasons. And and that is not my life at all. When I tell you, I will, let me also say, I do have moments where I'm like, oh, you are a lunatic for doing this. What's wrong with you? Like, go with the, go with the wind. Are you Pocahontas? No, you need to make a plan and find a job or whatever 
and the, it fluctuates. So I'm trying, I'm not that person who's go with the flow. So I think that this is also a good learning opportunity for me while, as I'm doing this to learn to go with the flow, because yeah. I will stress myself out trying to predict things that will never possibly happen. So that's um, me. I'm the scenario queen. I could give you all types of different scenarios and none of them. Pan the way out. I, oh, I tell everybody the reason I work well in strategy, like brand strategy, brand marketing, especially any type of strategic roles is because I overthink. And that's anything. That's all a strategist is, is they overthink <laughs> the scenarios and tell you about the best ways to handle them. See, there you go. We're leaning on our natural gifts. Like maybe people should realize, you know what? I'm a problem solver. Maybe I could be a strategist. Yes, definitely. And I just so appreciate you sharing your story with us because we definitely, you and I have similarities. And I think that this will really resonate with my audience. Any Black women out there who are just trying to figure it out, you are not alone. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate you just being honest with us because sometimes, you know, you look at your peers and you think that they're thriving and doing amazing. And you're like, actually, I don't know how I'm going to get this done. <laughs> so it's okay to be transparent and share that because I feel like when we keep it to ourselves in the industry, some people can kind of gatekeep a little bit. Um, but when we do speak on it and share it, then it just brings more of us into the fold. So hundred percent. I, I think that uh, hearing people go through, hearing what people go through and actually like what's really happening behind closed doors. It's, it's not so much the misery loves company. It can be spun like that, but it's like, wow, it's not just me because you feel very alone when things go wrong. Yeah. You're like, Oh my gosh, I'm the only one who doesn't have a job. I'm the only one who is trying to figure out what's next for myself. I'm the only one who is, struggling in some way and you don't realize like no every a lot of people are struggling in their own right and I have my own podcast I haven't recorded it in a while but I had a podcast I have the L yes take the L (laughs) podcast and it focuses on exactly that like people being at their lowest moments and instead of looking at the loss within those moments they figured out what the lesson was and it eventually became the like stepping stone and their story of like how they've built the success that they have so far. Right. And I think it goes back to, it does take time to see it. Some seasons I was like, why am I going through this Lord? Like, why are you putting me through this? But then I realized it's not him putting me through anything. It's just life. And we all have to go through tests. Unfortunately, it was my therapist who told me that every day is not a bouquet of flowers. Who knew? So once I learned that, I was like, okay, you got to take the good with the bad. And there's more good than bad. Yeah, my therapist told me that I need to stop trying to fix things. So I'm like, oh, I need to fix everything. Like, what is the answer? What's the solution? And she was like, sometimes things aren't fixable. You just have to manage them. And I was like, that's stupid. Yeah, <laughs> that's not the answer I wanted. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? She's like, some things are just not going to be the way exactly you wanted them, and you have to navigate them and manage them in the best way you know how without changing it fully. Yeah. Like. That radical. I still struggle with that. That happened. <laughs> it's been like four years since one of my therapists told me that, and I am still struggling with that. Like, well, as long as we're working on ourselves, that's okay. We are making really. steps. <laughs> well, y'all, that concludes this episode and the end of an era for YBO. I'm so glad to end on this high note. If there's one thing I learned from Siobhan, it's that our paths are not linear. So you never know when I might pop back in for another episode. (laughs) But thanks as always for listening. If you loved this episode, share it with a friend, family member, anyone else who could benefit from hearing this conversation. And you can follow Siobhan on LinkedIn 
Her name is spelled S-I-O-B-A-N, middle initial V, and then last name M-A-S-S-I-A-H. And you can follow me, Miss Chris D, on all socials, spelled M-I-S-S-C-H-R-I-S-D-E-E. And send your questions, comments, your love for YBO to the email, helloybo at gmail.com. Peace, peace.